Hi everybody, it's Phil, and you're listening to Phil at the Movies. Now playing is episode number 64. And I thought a bit change of pace for today's show, rather than review a current movie or talk about one that piqued, uh, piqued my interest, I thought today would be a great opportunity, given it is the end of June, we're now at the halfway point for the year, and it would be a good opportunity to look ahead. And first, I will just say 2023 has provided a lot of great surprises and wonderful films throughout the last six months. Everything from Scream 6, Cocaine Bear, Air, Bo is Afraid, even The Flash. This has been a fun year at the movies, and I think that really underscores what the theme has been up to this point. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. And there's certainly been some some critical achievements in my mind. Uh, a lot of films that really pushed the envelope. Again, I'm thinking of a movie like Bo is Afraid. But by and large, this has been a fun year. It's been a lot of different and, and original films. Again, Cocaine Bear comes to mind in that regard. But, but also films like The Flash and, of course, Across the Spider-Verse, these you know, imaginative and inventive comic book movies that just dazzle the imagination. So I'm very happy, very pleased at where the year has, uh, has taken me thus far. And now I thought it would be a good opportunity to look ahead. Now I've got six months left before the end of the year, and there are still many great films to come out. Some of them are my most anticipated films for the year. So that's going to be the, the focus of today's show. I've narrowed the list down to about six films that I am most excited for over the next six months, and I will go through them one at a time, offer a little bit of, of, of plot synopsis if it's available, and then uh, reasons for my, my interest and excitement in each particular film. But I also want to hear from you. This is a great opportunity for some uh, engagement, if you will, some Twitter engagement. Let me know what movies you're looking forward to throughout the rest of the year, and also what have been your favorite movies thus far? Uh, we are now, again, at the halfway point of 2023. A lot of movies have come out. Uh, certainly there's been some some colorful movies, to say the very least, but uh, definitely a wide palette uh, of films to offer. So let me know your thoughts as well. You can follow me on Twitter. My personal handle is PhilCastMovies. The handle for this show is Phil at the movies. Same goes for Instagram. And I, I will leave all that information in the show notes. But let me know. I want to know your favorite movies thus far, and what are you most looking forward to for the rest of the year? All right, so this is how today's show is going to work. Seven films in six months. These are the ones I'm most looking forward to seeing over the rest of the year, and I hope you enjoy this list as well. And, of course, let me know your thoughts at the end of the episode. So coming in at number seven is Dune Part 2. Now, this is the second half of the book by Frank Herbert. The first film, which came out in 2021, was amazing. It's a, a little slow. It's, it's much more of a, of a character film uh, than, than necessarily a, an action film, but that's understandable. The first film is laying the foundation. It's really taking the first chunk of the book and setting up this world, setting up the characters. Now, with this second one coming out in November... The film is going to take off, I really think, because it's focusing on the latter half of the first book. And it's going to be exciting. It's going to be engaging. And the cast in this film, I mean, the first film was incredible. 
but this this second time around, I mean, in addition to Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya, you've got Christopher Walken, you've got Austin Butler, you've got Florence Pugh, an absolutely stellar cast, and it just it, these are the kind of films that really tickle the imagination in a lot of ways because they're they're larger than life. The cinematography from the first Dune was breathtaking, absolutely visual marvels and i expect nothing but continued greatness with with this second film especially given that it is much more fast-paced and action-oriented i i really think this is going to be something special and will 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 if the first film sort of took people by surprise i think the second one is going to grab them on and folks just better hold on for dear life because th- this is it, it's space it's science fiction it's space fantasy but it is character driven and they're grounded in a way that makes them relatable to us in our own world. I mean, they're dealing with problems that in many ways you could see as analogous to something going on in the real world. So that's number seven. Dune Part 2 opens everywhere November 3rd of this year. Number six is Killers of the Flower Moon. Now, Martin Scorsese... Leonardo DiCaprio, three hours and change, a historical drama, ready to go. I have been ready for this ever since it was announced, and when the trailer was released a couple months ago, my anticipation and excitement only grew. This looks to be a masterclass by Martin Scorsese, and certainly he he has earned the title as one of, if not the living, uh, the greatest living director. And with, with DiCaprio looking to be taking on and, and, and giving another transformative performance, I, I'm really excited about this film. And of course, this is a true story. This is not something invented. This is a true story. It takes place in the 1920s, and it's based on members of the Osage Native American tribe who were murdered on their on their land and after oil was discovered and as a result the FBI is sent in to investigate and already the the Osage tribe has praised Scorsese for the attention to detail with this film it's not uh, a whitewash so to speak it really is an emphasis on the historical record and getting all the details right and of course with Scorsese I would expect nothing but greatness anyway but this this to me looks primed to be one of his his best films in addition to the cast I mean of course Leonardo DiCaprio is in it but Lily Gladstone is getting high marks already for her performance there's also Brendan Fraser in it and of course the great Robert De Niro so this one definitely want to check it out when it opens in October of this year uh, it is going to be on Apple Plus but I, I, or Apple TV but I'm glad to see that it will have a theatrical release as well as going to streaming I think a movie of this of this nature of this size should be seen not only on the biggest possible screen imaginable but also should have that respect and, and, and dignity to be shown in the theatrical venue versus just sending it straight to streaming. That's wonderful for convenience, but a movie of this caliber, I think, deserves to be shown as any other film. And of course, I will always advocate and defend the theatrical experience. All right, so number seven was, of course, Dune Part Two. Number six, Killers of the Flower Moon. That brings me to number five. And again, another Timothy Chalamet. A star, a, a star, a starring vehicle, and this is Wonka. 
We're returning to the wacky and wonderful world of Willy Wonka with Sean Malay playing the title character. This movie is coming out in December, and it seems like a perfect film for the holidays, a perfect film for families. But in addition to that, I'm just excited to see a new take on the Willy Wonka character. From everything I've been able to uh, to gleam, it looks like it's following in the tradition or, or in the existing lore of the Gene Wilder version. So that, to me, already has uh, my interest peaked because while the, the, the first uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is, is a little strange at points, uh, Gene Wilder's performance is, is one of the great creations in all of, of film. He just did a, an incredible job at playing such a, a subversive and, and weird and quirky and yet generous uh, soul in that movie. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing who this guy was before we were introduced to him in, in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory scenario. So this looks to be great. Nothing has been released yet in terms of trailers, but in addition to Shyamalan, who I know will turn in uh, a fantastic performance, Hugh Grant is going to be in the movie, and he's playing an Oompa Loompa. So I talk about just incredible casting and, and something that will need to be seen. Looking forward to this film with great anticipation, and it just should be a lot of fun. Now this next film... I'm going to leave the link in the show notes for you to check out the trailer because the way I'm going to describe it will be doing a disservice to it. You really need to watch the trailer to see the visual landscape of this movie and just how imaginative it is. The movie that I'm putting at number four is Poor Things and it stars Emma Stone, Willem Dafoe, and Mark Ruffalo. And the best way I can describe this movie is it seems to be a Frankenstein-esque science fiction love story that looks and feels like a visual pinwheel. I mean it, take a look at the trailer, and and I think you will come away with the same reaction. I hope you will, as, as I did. And the trailer is what sold me on this film. It is imagination gone wild. The character that Emma Stone plays, she's brought back to life by a mad scientist-type figure in the form of Willem Dafoe. And she's now in a different century, a different era, and she's trying to make place, uh, make sense of her place in the world. And then she ends up going on this, this world, uh, worldwide journey with Ruffalo's character. It, it looks like a, a painting, some wild, expressive almost otherworldly tale with with hints of of gothic influence and yet there's a warmness that was that was exuding from the trailer really looks like a lot of fun and again a, a visual marvel and for me I'm all about the visuals whenever something can grab me from from imagination standpoint I'm going to be hooked and this just looks this looks incredible the poster as well it is unlike anything I've ever seen it's like a strange collage of of portraits and paintings created into this this weird imagery of, of Emma Stone's character. Stunning, visual, absolute eye candy, and I can't wait to see this film. And I would highly, highly recommend you check out the trailer because the, it will, I think, it will either entice you as it did me or maybe you'll be like, okay, you know, what, is, what, what is Phil on today? This now brings me to the top three. And this next film, I have to confess, I never thought this would be on my bingo card for the year. But talk about 
a well-done trailer and a crazily good premise. And the film, of course, is Barbie. Now, never in a million years did I think I would be excited about a film about a Barbie doll, but this looks to be just what audiences are craving right now. And, and I'll, speaking only for myself here, this is the kind of this is a, a reason why I love to go to the movies because we're taken into another world. We're given a story that is wild and inventive, and from all accounts, looks like a lot of fun. You've got Margot Robbie playing the title character, Ryan Gosling as Ken. This looks like outrageous fun. I never thought again, as I said, would be ready for a Barbie doll, a Barbie movie. Certainly, I'm familiar with it because I grew up with uh, two younger sisters, so Barbie was very big in our house growing up. But I, I, this this looks like pure magic, pure movie magic, and the fact that that the. The design of the film, it looks like, if you've seen any of the Barbie playhouses or dream houses or whatever they call it, 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 it looks like you're right inside the toy. And then somehow Barbie ends up in the real world with Ken. And it just, the antics from the trailer alone, this I think is going to really pop with audiences. And I think it's already connecting with audiences, putting aside the trailer, because they're doing a series of early release screenings the week of the film, and by all estimations, these screenings are sold out at various places around the country. So I have a feeling uh, it's going to be a Barbie world this summer, and I'm all for it. All right, this brings me now to the top two that I'm most looking forward to through the rest of the year. So I have to start by saying, if, if the number one was not coming out this year, this next film would be. And partly because it stars my favorite actor, Joaquin Phoenix. And the film that comes out in November, directed by Ridley Scott, is Napoleon. Anytime Joaquin Phoenix does a project, I am going to be there. As I said, he is my favorite actor. I will sit through any project, good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, to be fair, I don't think he's ever turned in a shoddy performance. The man is an acting beast, and he just transforms into his characters, whether he's playing the real-life Johnny Cash or Joker in Joker or Bo in, as, in Bo is Afraid. He never fails to deliver and the fact that he's playing the great emperor of france just from the photos alone there hasn't been much released in terms of trailers or behind the scenes footage but what has been put out there's one photo he's riding in a battle the other one he's just sort of looking off from a balcony put it with a side-by-side portrait of napoleon you can't tell the difference. And that's just from a visual standpoint. That's to say nothing of what is going to happen when we uh, when we see him turn on the acting chops. The fact that Ridley Scott is, is sitting behind the director's chair, I know this is going to be a, a true master class in, in, a, in a biopic. And certainly, given Scott's uh, forte with, with these sort of historical epics, if you will, I'm expecting great things from this film. And again, anything with Joaquin Phoenix, I'm going to be there uh, without question. And this looks to be a a near-perfect capper for the rest of the year. Brings me now to number one on my most anticipated film for the rest of 2023. And it is, if you weren't uh, surprised, Oppenheimer. 
Christopher Nolan, I mean, enough said. I mean, literally enough said. This this looks by all accounts from the marketing, from the trailers, from all of the press releases leading up to this film, which opens next month. This, I think, has potential to be Nolan's magnus opus. He is he's doing something with this film that I don't think he has done before. He, I mean, not that he doesn't put his heart and soul into every film, but but this this looks to be something that he is most proud of throughout his career. The fact that he is taking a story that I don't want to say it's forgotten or or overlooked, but certainly in the in the history of the atomic age and and, and the nuclear age. Robert, Art, Robert Art Oppenheimer plays, without question, the most important role in, in shaping the 20th century and beyond. And the fact that we are still having these conversations now about nuclear weapons really is, is very telling. I read somewhere that when, when no one started to write the film... His sons were like, "Oh, Dad, why does you know who's going to care about this? You know, no one worries about nuclear weapons anymore." And yet, here we are in the year 2023. Uh, everything old is new again. Th- this is going to be a very timely film. I think it's going to be a well-acted film. The cast is incredible, from Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh. I mean, just incredible, incredible actors and telling a story that I'm not sure that many people are are that familiar with. People might know the name Oppenheimer, but I don't think many know the story behind it and and what he went through sort of leading up to the creation of the bomb and after the creation of the bomb. I'm really, I'm stoked to see this film and and just from a visual standpoint, Nolan is, is pulling out all the stops. There's no uh, CGI effects when he when he, they're showing the atomic test in the film. So just from a visual standpoint, the movie looks to be an absolute masterpiece. And I like how he has he's shot part of the film in black and white to represent the point of view of Oppenheimer, and then the other parts of the film shot in color. Again, just as a visual standpoint, I think the film is going to be something special, but also a very timely and and powerful story that has a lot of cachet in in our in our current international and, and national discourse. So yeah, without question, this is my most anticipated film for the year. Again, because Christopher Nolan is behind it, he is without question my favorite director today and, and anything he does, I mean I I don't think he's had a bad film in his in his filmography. I think he has turned to nothing but but stellar films from Memento to Batman Begins, The Dark Knight of course, Dunkirk and Interstellar. He never misses, and I, I'm expecting nothing but continued greatness from from my favorite director with this film. But I, I think there's going to be a real a discussion with it, uh, especially after its release. And yeah, interestingly enough, it's releasing the same weekend as Barbie, so there's a lot of passion on on both sides of the uh, the cinematic debate about which film will will win out the uh, the weekend and so far it looks like Barbie's going to top it based on on early projections but I, I expect Oppenheimer to do fine uh, financially at the box office but but more so than that I, I'm just looking for I know I've said it before in this show but a, a good piece of cinema and and when it comes to to filmmaking and, and storytelling Christopher Nolan is about as good 
good as it gets. I mean, again, I would put him up in the same category and class as Scorsese, Coppola, Spielberg. I mean, just a, a phenomenal director that understands the medium and, and knows how to utilize it to tell a story that is both engaging, engaging and physically stunning. So there we have it. Those are, those are my top seven most anticipated films, seven films in the next six months. I'll run them through again for you. Number seven, Dune Part 2. Six, Killers of the Flower Moon. Five, Wonka. Four, Poor Thing. Uh, Poor Things. Three, Barbie. Two, Napoleon. And number one, Oppenheimer. So there, there you have it. Those are my top seven films for the year. Uh, the, the year remaining. Here we are. The end of June as of the recording of this episode. But let me know your thoughts. I'm curious to hear if you agree with any of the picks on this list or if you have different ones as well. Feel free to uh, send me a tweet or email. Try to get some of the uh, responses read on the next episode. But that is all I have for you this week. As always, thank you for tuning in and taking time to listen. I'll be back next week and we'll do this all over again for the love of movies.